takes you back to 2015. A colleague and I were sitting outside a house. We'd been sitting there since about 10 o'clock in the morning. And at about 3.30, a lady with her two daughters came in. They'd been to the supermarket. They had their Tesco bags of shopping in their hands. We let them get into the house, closed the door. And then a couple of minutes later, my colleague and I went to the front door and knocked on the door. And my colleague said to this young mum, with her daughters around her feet. I need to come in and give you some information, which is what he did. We went in, we, we sat down, and he told her that her husband had been killed that morning in a training accident. Now, you can imagine that the reaction, there were all kinds of emotions flying around in the room. But after a few minutes of disbelief and anger and frustration, there was just silence. And we sat there looking at each other, of course, just not really knowing what to say. Inspiring and equipping you to live the life you're destined to live. This is the Ascend Men podcast. Hi Ascend Men, welcome back to another episode. I normally painstakingly research our guests and pride myself on digging up obscure facts about them. But today we are featuring Padre Anthony Wilson, who's done a great job of keeping all of that out of the public domain. So Anthony, welcome to the podcast. Uh, great to see you, great to be with you. It's lovely to be invited to join in, thank you. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Um, and thank you for the story that you shared a very sobering story before the theme music today. Please put that into context. Now, the background to that is that uh, I'm an army chaplain. I was working uh, with uh, a unit up in up in Yorkshire. And on that particular fateful morning, uh, a colleague of mine, a soldier who was uh, commanding uh, a Winnick, which is a Land Rover with, a, with a, a military platform on top, overturned going down the hill and he was thrown out and instantly killed and I had the responsibility with what uh, we call a casualty notification officer to go and tell that young mum about the news that was just the worst thing she could ever want to hear. I just can't imagine what it must be like to be the bearer of news as tragic as that to witness the impact it had on a young family and the, the loss of a husband, a father, not to mention all the dreams and hopes that died with him that day. Hmm. I'm, I'm curious, how did you get to that point? Like, what's your story up to that fateful day? Sure. I suppose wind back three or four years. Um, if you remember at the beginning, sort of 2010, 2011, as a country, we were still very much involved in uh, in the war in Afghanistan, and there were many, many soldiers deployed out there. And I remember sitting around a family Christmas meal, and my brother-in-law, uh, who has quite strident opinions, um, said that he didn't feel that it was possible to be a Christian and to work in the military. And something inside me, that really riled me. And it, it, it started just to uh, get me thinking. So when I got back home, I was living in Ipswich at the time. Um, early in January, I, I walked into the nearest 
uh, army recruiting office and said, I'm, I'm thinking about chaplaincy in the military because I personally feel that I can, I was already a church minister, I can actually be a Christian and work in the military. And I think like many of us, if you can remember that far back, it's 12, 13 years. It, it was a very poignant and difficult time in in, in in the history, we were seeing lots and lots of soldiers coming back injured and, and killed. And there was something that touched me deep down inside around a sense of wanting to be there to help to father some of these young men and, and women who were going through and being asked to do, I mean, in, incredible things in the service of our country. I mean, interestingly, uh, we actually, I don't think you can see, if I, if I left my badge up a bit, you can probably see it says Padre Wilson. Um, we're called Padres in the Army. Now, not, nobody's quite sure where that came from, but it's something around, I think, um, that uh, Spanish and Portuguese uh, soldiers had started to call their chaplains in their, in their armies Padre, obviously uh, root of that word father and it's it's just it's just taken 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 uh taken legs and, and that's how we're referred to but back to that that conversation in 2012 that's what got me going it was seeing the needs and feeling that god was calling me to work with soldiers um in in the military at that point of our uh of our, of, of our involvement with afghanistan yeah, wonderful. So we'll come back to that in a minute. We have a habit on our Ascend Men podcasts of always asking some quick fire questions. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to break that habit today. So we'll dip back into those and then we'll come back to Afghanistan in a minute. So um, first of all, when you were at primary school, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, I wanted to be an electrical engineer. I was really into little crystal radios, if anybody remembers them. Oh, yes. With an, ear, with an earpiece and a twisted cable. And... Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember yeah, yeah. those. Yeah. Okay. Uh, second one. Uh, you must have eaten a few ration packs in your time. What do you like and dislike the most? Okay. The ration packs have actually got really good um, in the last few years. My favorite thing in the ration packs are the chocolate brownies. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, my least favourite thing, I think, probably is the porridge. So chocolate brownies and then porridge at the end or other end of the scale. Okay. And you must end up in all sorts of difficult circumstances. And when things get tough, do you have a go-to saying or a scripture, something that you bring out of your back pocket to help you and give you strength at that time? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I don't know if anybody's heard of the serenity prayer, but I think, I think that's what sort of keeps me going. God's... God grant me the serenity to accept the things um, I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can change, and, and the wisdom to know the difference between those two things. So that's probably where I go to, and certainly I've got that in my head planted firmly. We can all apply that to our daily lives, I'm sure. So um, thank you for explaining about your heart to father some of those men and women you were you were talking about earlier and, and obviously how that's that's kind of the root of the word padre uh, which which is why you're called a padre uh, i take it you have um uh, you have a status within the army as well are you uh, a major for example yeah or? i mean technically we do we do carry a rank within mm -hmm. the military but we sit very lightly to that because one of the important things that as chaplains we bring to the to the army is that we're outside the chain of command. Right. Um, we have a chain of command that is that is um, that, that, that really rests within the chaplaincy department, and and most people, soldiers, will say, of course, Padre, your chain of command goes all the way up to God, which uh, 
I suppose that should be the case for everybody, really. But yeah. um, it gives soldiers um, a, an opportunity to come and talk with us confidentially mm. um, about stuff, and 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 we can support them in ways that that that, that other folk can't. That's not to say they can't go and talk to other people. There's, there are great welfare teams um, mm. and 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 colleagues and friends. We're just another part of that whole support network. Mm-hmm. And in technical terms as well, we're non-combatants under the Geneva Convention. We don't carry arms. Um, and so we are we're regarded by everybody as, as, as a slightly different entity within the military. Um, and that is really important, I think. I, I feel really privileged that, that I've got that space to occupy. Yeah. And even though you don't carry a weapon, you do end up in places where people are carrying weapons. Mm. So have, have you always been a padre in colchester and and uh uk territory or have you spent time abroad as well yeah i mean i've been abroad quite a bit on on exercises and a short deployment to uh kabul um at the end of our herrick tours we still had a significant presence of soldiers in kabul until obviously all of those soldiers pulled out back in um in the, at the end of summer 2021 so um i spent some time in kabul and that and that was you know that was a huge privilege um and and you know it was great to be able to go out and support our different um units within within that city with the work that they were doing fascinating you've already mentioned other support networks but you do care for people of all faiths and none how do you do that when your faith is uh, fundamentally founded on jesus christ absolutely you know one of the things i i, I offer is a distinctively christian ministry and 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 I recognize that that is different from other faith backgrounds. But there's a graciousness that is expected of us. And if, for example, um, a soldier uh, in the unit where I'm working currently is, is, is wanting to come and have some support for another faith background, the first thing I will not do is seek to offer that myself because I'm not, as we would say, a subject matter expert in that. Um, and I wouldn't want to put myself up as that. So what I would do is I signpost him to somebody else. Um, who can come and support him. And each of the units ha- always has a world faith prayer room. And that's something that's probably common to a lot of um, a lot of contexts. You see them in, in hotels, in, in, in airports and so on. So we've got one here and it's got resources for all of the major faiths. So if someone, for example, is a Muslim and they need some uh, materials that will help them in their in their own prayer life as a Muslim, they can access those materials and I can actually signpost them to someone, uh, uh, an imam who can come and right. come and support them in their journey. Mm. Yeah. And and this episode's going to drop on Armistice Day, so that's the eleventh of November, twenty twenty three. Um, and the phrase "lest we forget" is very familiar at this time of year. We we see it uh, on the poppy stands and various places. Um, with, with all the conflict around the world, be that Ukraine and Russia, Israel and Palestine. Myanmar, Sudan, Ethiopia, that, that there's, is, there's a real risk that we do forget because there's so much in the news um, in some ways about conflict and war. Um, h- how do we avoid, I suppose, war fatigue and, and almost become used to that? Because I think that that's dangerous when we do. How do we avoid that? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think, I think by doing what we're doing, you know, it's it's a really significant weekend for us, I believe, as a country, as we as we just press pause and mm. seek to remember that ultimate sacrifice that, that people have made. And also the ongoing sacrifice, because, you know, there are there are soldiers, sailors, airmen and women deployed today across the world, mm. um, um, supporting uh, and, 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 and working in the contexts that they're working 
Um, mm. I suppose as well, I think to keep this fresh, we need to continue to listen to people's stories. Um, mm. and, and, and there are lots of different ways of doing, of doing that. But I think stories keep memories alive. I, mm. I, I, I remember, um, I was privileged in 2019 to attend the, um, remembrance um at arnhem so i used to work within within one of the parachute battalions mm -hmm. and the the honor it was to speak to some of the veterans who are now you know in their in their late 90s mm -hmm. these are people who jumped into into arnhem in 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 1944 and their their life story as they're talking about it was was profound and also to talk to some of the civilians who'd been who'd been rescued and been there at the time mm. in in that town so mm. i think it's about connecting with people's stories so mm. you know i'd encourage everybody you know if you if you know a veteran um if you don't know a veteran get alongside you know mm. there are lots of places where we can connect with veterans and and just go and listen and support them and and they're not necessarily going to be in their 90s they could be in their 40s their 50s their 60s but yeah. but 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 they're people with incredible stories to tell yeah. and and that's what keeps that's what keeps the memory of remembrance alive for mm. me i think mm. And uh, we're recording this on Thursday, the 9th of November. So in, in over the next few days, um, you'll be taking part in all sorts of services and events, I'm sure. Um, what's on your heart this year? What will you be sharing about? It strikes me that um, at the very heart of our remembrance times, our, our times when we gather on, on Sunday, I'm going to be doing a, a, an act of remembrance tomorrow and then three on Sunday. At the, at the heart of that is, is this two minutes of silence and there are so many words, so much information that we get presented with and listened to day in, day out. And many, many words that we've spoken today and, and are spoken on, on Remembrance Sunday. But, but to me, the focus is this two minutes of silence because there's a really very strong sense, I think, that actually silence represents the awesomeness and the awfulness of war, because war begins when words fail, doesn't it? War begins when diplomacy fails, and we're left with that silence, just as we were left sitting silently in that in that in that young mum's sitting room back in 2015, in the face of the death of her husband. So, for me, the centerpiece of this weekend is the two minutes of silence. And I'm going to be encouraging people to think for themselves about how they might use that science and also build it a little bit more into their daily lives. And as, as Christian people, there is a lot of scripture, isn't there, that points us to the importance of stillness and silence. Be still and know that I am God's. So I would want everybody just to think about, you know, how could you build not just two minutes of silence into your life when you're standing perhaps alongside people on, on Sunday morning or at another point for a remembrance parade. But can you build in two minutes of silence every day to your life in order to actually do that business of reflection, of, of taking stock, of, of, of actually seeking to draw closer to God? So that's my takeaway, I think, from remembrance this year. Great. So, Anthony, you're involved with the Military Corrective Training Centre in Colchester, and that must bring you into contact with all sorts of people. 
some of our listeners will be joining us from prison. Uh, so what would you say to them in terms of their, their, the place where they may be um, remembering uh, or going through the remembrance service um, or perhaps how your uh, location differs to theirs? Yeah, I mean, our, our, our location is different. It's not a prison. It's a training centre. We are uh, really in the business of of training um, soldiers, sailors, airmen and women, either to return to service or, or to re-enter um, the wider community. Um, but I think I think what I'd want to say to someone who's listening to this in in in, in a prison context, and perhaps if, particularly if it's if it's around uh, remembrance, is going back to that whole thing about about silence and about engaging and giving yourself that daily daily opportunity just just to reflect and and you know if you haven't yet connected with with the chaplaincy in your prison my experience of of prison chaplains is they're an incredible bunch of people um, who are there to listen to you and provide those safe spaces to support you so just a couple of things i think Embrace silence for yourself, and I know that's probably harder in a, in a prison context. There's, a, there's there's less space to find that, but also engage with the chaplaincy team and uh, and and seek the support that they are really really keen to give. We need to draw to a close, but Anthony, thank you for joining us today and for challenging us about silence, something with which we all struggle in our busy, noise-packed, word-filled lives. On behalf of all of our listeners, thank you for all you do and for keeping stories alive. We really appreciate you and look forward to more collaboration, particularly with our Colchester congregation. So thank you, Alan. It's been a real privilege to talk with you today. And and likewise, I very much, since I'm living nearby and working nearby, look forward to uh, building, building closer links with you guys at Colchester. Take care. Instead of our usual episode ending... This week, we are going to have a few words from Anthony and we'll play the traditional last post. After that, there'll be two minutes of silence, Ravelli, and a few more words from Anthony before we close this episode. You don't have to listen to this, but it will take you just a few minutes, so why not use it to explore the silence and honour those to whom we owe our freedom? And why not pray for those we hear about every day who are suffering in war-torn areas? of the world. They shall grow not old as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them.
when you go home, tell them of us and say, for your tomorrow, we gave our today.